Welcome to the Good Doctrine Podcast, where we know that good doctrine establishes good living. I'm Sean Pasley. And I'm Josh Howard. Uh, we're coming up on, well, coming up on, we're in episode 26 of, uh, of Good Doctrine Podcast. This is following last week's episode, which should count at least as like two and a half episodes. Very successful two hour long podcast. Yeah. Gratuitously long, unrelentingly long. And we've only received positive comments on how long, uh, how, uh, how long it was and that it was good (laughs) that it was two hours long. It's funny, you know, when I look at the numbers and I look at the stats um, for the podcast, because that's, I'm fixated on them. We have twice as many listens to the podcast that we recorded for last week than we do the one two weeks ago. So I don't know why that is. I don't know if that's because like I tagged more people in it or because it was longer. I don't know if there's something like with podcast Maybe algorithms. Maybe it got shared more. Or Maybe it got shared more. Um, but uh, either way, people seem to enjoy it. We heard a lot of positive comments, so that's good. Um, yeah, haven't good. heard any negative comments yet, but thank you guys for listening to it. Thank you guys for participating um, and not just being kind of uh, observers you know, in this ministry. Um, we're always excited to get to answer your questions, and so you know, we'll do it again. And we've already had at least one person follow up with us. Well, I guess two follow up with us on their questions. So if you if you would like to... Three. Three? Okay, yeah. well, there you go. So, yeah, if you'd like to talk more about your questions, we're here. Um, especially if we can just do, like we mentioned, we could do a podcast episode on one or two of those. Um, I know at least one of those questions I would love to do a podcast on. So we'll, we'll address that down the road. One thing I was thinking of that I didn't run by you yet, but... So today is like bone-chillingly cold. Um, but I'm confident within like a week it's going to be blistering hot, the dead heat of summer in late January here in Mississippi. Right. Um, we need to do some T-shirts. Yeah. Coming up for uh, for I think spring. We'll probably we can probably sell more of those T-shirts. But you know, if you uh, if you're wearing your Good Doctrine hoodie, you can post it on Facebook or social media. And if you don't have a Good us. Doctrine hoodie, uh, you're not getting one. Yeah, you <laughs> missed bad. it. It you was a nightmare wait. getting those. You can wait for next fall, where I'm sure we'll get more. But yeah, no, we we're probably gonna we'll do T-shirts, and with T-shirts, we're able to probably like we'll put out more colors and stuff like that. Um, our I think you changed our. Did you change the cover page on the group? I did, yeah. So I changed our logo. It was gray background with like gold letters, and then I changed it to um, that white just and plain white. Well, it's not. It's it's more of a crimson, Sean. Oh, it's a, crimson. It's a deep red. Okay, good. Cardinal, even. Ooh. But uh, yeah. Good. So, um, you know, maybe our next our next shirts will have red lettering instead of the yellow lettering, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Or maybe it's there. It's definitely not here. It's definitely not here. What are we talking about today? Um, let's talk about. I don't. I don't know how we're going to label this episode, but kind of the idea of what what it means that God foreknows. Okay. Um, the foreknowledge kind of, of God. Yeah, and it, but I didn't want to just call it foreknowledge because I want to talk about more than just foreknowledge. I want to talk about. Um, God's foreknowledge, God's sovereignty, what the differences are there. Um, this whole idea of corridors of time is what they're usually referred to. Right. Um, but how does that work? Like if God um, exists and knows all things, I say exists, exists like not strapped down by time constraints as we typically think of them. Um, he knows all things. What does that What does that play out as in Scripture? And I'm straight up aiming for a short, concise episode following our. This this is my this is my. I'm, I'm going to play a sociological game with you, Sean, and I'm going to have us record like a 15 minute podcast here and just see if it outperforms your two hour podcast. But here here's a good way to fr- kind of frame this. What I'm thinking of w- with the Christian. So when you read when you read the Bible, you have 
God many times making much of the fact that he prophesies things, that he tells the what will happen, yeah. um, that the things that do happen, he's planned. It plays out in Christian life like this. Something happens in your life. Did God know that was going to happen, or did he cause it to happen or ordain it to happen or plan it to happen was it was it from him or was it just something he knew was coming like knew about right knew about it it affects how you look at the future as well when god um when we look toward our future and and we see you know our own future that we're going to die one day and as well as just the the future of creation itself that one day god's going to bring things to a consummation is god planning around events is he saying what he knows will happen only, or is he planning those events and bringing them about and causing those events to happen? Right. Whatever word you want to use. A lot of times theologians will say, does he ordain those things to happen? Yeah. Um, so that, that's kind of what I was hoping to talk about. Like, Yeah, and I think that's really, that's um, it's helpful to talk about these things because maybe in your you know average Christian life, you know, as you are walking through the grocery store and you go to your office job and you come home to your family and you go to soccer games, you're not necessarily considering, did God ordain this very moment to happen or did he know this? You know, you're not you're not necessarily considering those things in your average life, but it is what you believe about this affects the whole of your Christian life. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important that we do kind of talk about it. And it seems like it's almost inconsequential, um, you know, to maybe... I don't want to say to, to to immature Christians, but maybe to like someone who hasn't thought about these things before, these things it might seem inconsequential. Well, what does it matter if God merely knows what's going to happen versus He has planned these things to happen and but, brought them about and himself, brought them about right. Himself? Yeah, but but it, but you know, like I said, this this does determine kind of it affects every aspect of your Christian life. And what I hope to get to here in here in a couple of minutes is the fact that God Himself makes much of it. So yeah, if, if yeah. God Himself kind of touts this as something which which uh, attests to His divinity, if, if if God says, "Look at me, that I, there is no God like me," um, and here's one of the reasons why, it's it, then it's a good reason because God's you know using that as as His own uh, example. I yeah. think I, I mentioned that God kind of exists outside of time. This is another thing. A lot of times Christians will kind of punt this concept by just recognizing that, well, God's not constrained by time the way humans are. So in other words, you know, I, and I'm not going to get too sci-fi about this, but I, I'm born, I live, and then I die. Whereas we see God and we say, well, God exists outside of his creation. So he's not bound by time. He does not age. He's eternal. He's um, from from the very big, you know, he's before time began to after time, you know, could end. He's just, he exists out there. That doesn't mean God exists outside of time and this is this like i said i'm not gonna get too sci-fi but when you look at the bible god expresses himself in time he says i created something he uses temporal Um, language yeah i created things then i prophesied things here i brought them to pass here so i always have a problem with divorcing or take when we divorce our knowledge of god from how god reveals himself in scripture we get really wonky sci-fi sounding ideas whereas if you just look at how does god express himself in scripture he expresses himself as a god who relates to us in time okay good now however you can say he's not bound by time and all that we could talk about you know talk about that but god expresses himself as doing things in time and he makes much of the fact that he prophesies and brings about things in time so that's all we're going to really worry about. Um, okay. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to bother about the philosophy of 
of can he step outside of time and all those things. We're just going to worry about how he expresses himself in biblical revelation. I think that that's helpful to think about. You know, you say you, you use the well. You said that uh, you can come up with some real sci-fi stuff if you try to explain God in terms that He doesn't use in Scripture. That's a really helpful thing to think about outside of this conversation. You know, like if someone is telling you that, well, my God is a loving God and He would never yada yada yada. Yeah. Is that how God describes Himself in Scripture, yeah. or is that you know concepts that you've kind of you kind of use scripture to prove your point. So it's 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 an interesting thing. I'm I'm glad we're talking about this. Um, so when you say that God is, he describes himself as working in time, or you know he uses temporal language like I've done this, then this. You're not saying that he is restricted by time like humans are, are you? Restricted by. <laughs> Like I don't. What, what what would you mean that he's restricted by time? Um. So for example, I cannot know what is happening ten ah, seconds okay, from okay. now. Well, this is the thing. So wh- when we talk about this stuff, so God is omniscient. Let's just go ahead and throw that one out there. One of the omnis. God is omniscient. He is all knowing. So right. God knows the beginning from the end. Um, but there's something called prescience or pres- prescience. Um, the fact that you can know something beforehand. So a lot of these conversations come down to like, well, God, if he's not bound by time, he exists outside of time. So like right now he is living at the end of time, just as he's living back in the creation, just as he's living here. So you talk about star uh, sci-fi, Star Trek. There's a character named Q, I think his name is, who is like, he's like... Which is pretty much a knockoff pagan god in in the Star Trek universe. But but that's the point, is that he is existing at all times, and I think even, like, there was a comic book in the 80s called The Watchmen, and, um, like, their god, the god of that, you know, Dr. Manhattan, this is super nerdy, no one is going to care, but... The, the point is, the way they described their God was that he is existing at all points simultaneously. Right, yeah, yeah. So you, yeah, you're not that, saying... That, that is a really cool idea that, like you said, properly belongs in, in my opinion, in Star Trek and in sci-fi yeah. annals. That's just that's not how God describes himself in Scripture. Um, scripture, for example, and I'm going to punt to Isaiah a couple times just because Isaiah has this really strong language that God uses, but in Isaiah chapter 42, verses 8 and 9... God says, I'm the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass. The new, th- and now, uh, excuse me, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. So in other words, God is saying here, hey, the things that I said would happen did happen. And guess what? I'm going to tell you some things that are going to happen. And I'm going to tell you about them before they ever do happen. So... God doesn't sit there and, 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 you know, prophesy through Isaiah and say, I exist in the past and in the present and in the future. No, no, no. He says, like, I will tell you what's going to happen. And that's how God describes himself to his people. Um, so, it, like I said, it just, if we stick to those biblical categories and stay away from kind of the sci-fi. Yeah. Because otherwise it kind of takes away from what God is saying here. Yeah. If we try to come at it with that sci-fi feel of, well, well God exists outside of time. He's past, present, and future right now or whatever. Yeah. Um, that sentence from well, Isaiah doesn't make a lot of sense. Maybe some of the confusion, and maybe it's not confusion, but that temporal language, you know, dealing with time, that 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 time language is used, like even in Revelation, and 
like um, when you know in, in other prophetic literature, when the living beings and the angels are saying, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and is to come." Mm-hmm. So there's that 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 is temporal language. It has to do with yeah, you know, time. It's very very interesting to think, but so but the concept isn't that like we said that God is existing at all points in time simultaneously and that his consciousness is spread between he is existing now omniscient omnipresent mm-hmm. all-knowing and always and around it, it's going to lead us into a conversation about sovereignty because like for example you just mentioned revelation so when God says what will happen does that mean he is writing planning ordaining bringing about those things that will happen or does he just know? what's going to yeah. happen and he's going to tell us um two more passages in isaiah isaiah 44 um and starting in verse 7 god said who is like me let him proclaim it let him declare and set it before me since i appointed an ancient people and then pay attention here let them declare what is to come and what will happen fear not nor be afraid have i not told you from of old and declared it you're my witnesses um, is there a god besides me there's no rock i know of not any um, God, when he called his people there in Isaiah, and he's, he's saying, have confidence in me. I'm the one true God. These little carved idols that you're worshiping, they have no power. They have, they're have they not gods. This is this is where he is drawing their attention to in, in, in Isaiah's narrative is, I told y'all what would happen, and it happened. I'm going to tell you other things that will happen, and they will surely come to pass. Have faith in me. I'm, I'm God. So when we're looking at these things, are we— we're asking the question, did God just know that they would happen, or did he ordain that they, these things would happen? Yeah. There, there's a really popular view right now. Um, it, it's called middle knowledge. Most people probably don't you know, have, know what that term means or anything. But essentially, it's it, it, you talk about sci-fi. It sounds sci-fi to me, middle knowledge, or sometimes it's called Molinism or, or Neo-Molinism. Um, it was made, it was made uh, popular by, uh, by a guy named De Molina. But um, hence the Molinism part of it. But but essentially, it's that God is looking down all these quarters of time, all these all these possible futures, and He knows all these possible futures. Like my coffee cup's empty right now; it's not it's not filled. But God knows what will happen if it's I like go Sherlock. fill it, and if I don't fill it, He knows those eventualities. Yeah, it's like this like crazy algorithm that's right like pre- pretty much that's and, and like that sherlock show that bbc sherlock i've been bringing a lot of entertainment for some reason into this but you know when he's like oh well if this happens then this happens and then if that exactly happens, yeah happens. god's like a prognosticator he's uh, like a really yeah. smart odds maker yeah and i'm not trying to be sacrilegious here but that's essentially the view is that like god is re- is is smarter than anything so he can know what will happen if we make certain choices and stuff well that's called molinism if you've ever read william lane craig um, William, William William Lane Craig is one of the more famous Christian neo Molinists. That, that this is what he argues for is middle knowledge. Um, that's now, not, why would someone? Maybe this is something you want to address later. But why would someone believe that? The 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 attract. I think. Well, why would some? I'm assuming he believes it because he thinks it's real. But the thing about thinks, he thinks Scripture says that. So I mean, maybe the thing that strikes me from neo Molinism though is. It preserves an idea of absolute autonomy of the individual. Okay. Men have absolute free will. And when I say absolute free will, I mean they can make good choices and bad choices. They can do good things and ungood things. Um, they can choose to follow God and choose not to follow God. Um, so it preserves all of that. And you're still kind of punting to, well, God's still kind of sovereign, though. He's still 
he's still in control. He's just so he's just in control knowledge, because he knows what's going to happen. But middle he's still knowledge in is middle ground. It's like a middle ground where you can say like I believe in the supreme sovereignty of God, and yet I believe in man's free will yeah. and ability the whole, to choose their the whole the whole path. thing the whole thing that sticks out in neo molinism is is trying to preserve what they call creaturely freedom the freedom of of made things creatures okay. um which includes men so opposed to that what i would argue for and this is again this is just thinking how to speak biblically about this those are insufficient because if god knows what will happen and then he decrees based on that. It is not a true decree, and it's it's certainly not sovereignty. And this is what I mean. Mm-hmm. If I, mm-hmm. if I, I should have thought of examples before. Now you had all the good TV examples. If I know you're about to punch me in the face, um, and I'm just really smart like that. I'm Sherlock. Let's just say from your TV show. So I'm Sherlock. I just I have deduced you're about to punch me in the face, and so I decree Sean will surely punch me in the face. And then sure enough, you punch me in the face. You can say that that's sovereignty, but it's not. No, I'm not in yeah. control you of you. You didn't make me punch you yeah, in the face. Yeah, it wasn't my will for you to punch me in the face. I didn't want you to punch me in the face. Yeah. I'm just telling you what I know is going to happen. All that is is it's like odds bet. It's like odds making. This is this is the whole back to the future model of I can go back in time and because I know who's going to win the horse race, I can place a bet. You're not causing something to happen. You're not making your will come forth. You're just saying what you already knew was going to happen. Yeah, um, That's the sacrifice when you cut sovereignty out. This is the way the Bible talks about sovereignty. Um, Psalm 135.6 says, Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and in all deeps. Mm-hmm. Whatever God wants to do or wants to accomplish, he does it. Mm-hmm. Um, the flip side of that coin is if he doesn't want it to happen, it doesn't happen. Right. <laughs> he's, he's in control. Proverbs 16.9 the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. That's another way of saying that men make great plans, but God is the one who directs your steps. Um, your like you know, we prayed before this podcast, and you thanked God for filling our our lungs with air this morning. God allows you to breathe. Yeah, he's he's that meticulous. Proverbs sixteen thirty three: the lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. In other words, you can you can roll dice with your life, or seem to roll dice with your life. You can make all these decisions, and yet Scripture says God directs what happens in the affairs of men. That, that that's me, that's to, sovereignty, by the way. That's yes. what I'm trying to describe: is sovereignty that God is in control of what He has made of all things. Yeah, of, of all everything. Things. Um, not uh, what, what did you say that the middle knowledge they're establishing the free will of what creaturely creaturely freedom creaturely freedom so um, you know when I think of the sovereignty of God and I know that Brother Greg talks about this a lot it is a comforting thought to think that the Lord ordains my steps that mm-hmm. that uh, that I can seem you know seemingly like you know cast the dice roll the dice and just make any willy-nilly decision I choose in my life but the the, the Lord, um, every decision is from the Lord, like uh, Proverbs 16 says. So um, it's, it's well, and maybe I'm throwing you under the bus by asking this, and I don't know if this is necessarily a proper time, but for someone with a, who, who holds to the concept of middle knowledge, that God sees through the corridors of time, he knows what's going to happen, and thus that is his quote-unquote sovereignty. Is that Middle he knows, knowledge uses the language counterfactuals. I don't know. What does that mean? It's like, so like he knows the eventual possibilities of what won't happen. Uh Uh-huh. And they call them counterfactuals. I'll just... I shouldn't even throw that in. Sorry. Well, well, no, that's that's it. It is interesting. But I'm just going to like, maybe I'll just 
lay this out here. To me, that sounds like not a god. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can't speak for you know William Lane Craig or any anyone else who 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 believes this idea of middle, middle knowledge, but it just seems like why would you want to submit yourself? Not that any man wants to submit himself to God, but that's another podcast. But um, well, it was another podcast. Depravity. Look it up. Uh, <laughs> Why, why would any any man think that someone who is, like you say, playing the odds from the beginning of time is a god? Yeah. Uh, it is It is extremely comforting thinking it, about the sovereignty of God. Why might someone choose to reject the biblical um, precedent that we see all throughout Scripture of God's ordaining sovereignty? Yeah. Well, I'll answer that by affirming what you said before I answer it. It is God's sovereignty is greatly comforting mm-hmm. um the fact that if you pray for the lost you believe in god's sovereignty whether whether you know you do or not you right. believe in god's sovereignty if you're praying god please change the hearts of my family members of my friends whoever it might be you're praying for um you believe in god's sovereignty if god wasn't sovereign and there's no such thing as partial sovereignty right, um, right. He, he can't be sovereign in certain things and not other things that's just that's not what sovereignty means um so if you have comfort in the sovereignty of God, you know that God can and will do what he's wanting to do, and that's a humongous comfort for the Christian. I think the reason the reason men rebel against this, I think typically, I mean, other than the fact that it's in our nature as men yeah, to right. want to reject the absolute authority of our Creator. Um, we can see that from Scripture. But also, it's when evil gets introduced into these conversations. Um, right. When we start to think, think it's about a, it's the bad things. So like if you know if I go home and 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 you know my I don't want to say I won the lottery because that wouldn't sound like a very great example but I go home and my neighbors brought me cookies or something I may have no problem seeing the sovereignty of God in that situation and be like man God is working in their lives and He's blessed our home with these cookies and and all those sort of things and we accept God's sovereignty in those situations it's when something it's when I'm driving home you know heaven forbid this happens but I'm driving home today and somebody hits my car. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, like crushes my leg or something. Well, this is... How is God in control of that? This is like apologetic question number one that I hear all the time. If God's so good, then why does this happen? Mm. Why did this happen? And um, a, a really... Uh, something that I hear almost as much as I hear that question is Christians responding with... Even though they might not be saying it, they might profess that they believe in the sovereignty of God they'll explain it away with like this middle knowledge answer this you know let me give you an example so you come to me let's just assume you're the atheist for the moment you come to me as an atheist and say Josh if God exists point number one and evil exists point number two then God is either evil or he's not sovereign okay if God's in control of everything and there's evil out there which is opposed to God, right? either God's really not this good God that you think yeah, he is, or one. he's just not in control of everything. And then I, as the well-meaning Christian, will say, you know what, God is in control, but he just, you know, evil is kind of like, you know, that part of the lawn he's not mowing. You know, he just kind of backs up, and he's <laughs> he's keeping a really close, well-manicured lawn over here, but then there's some evil stuff happening in that corner of the yard, and God knows it's happening. He could squash it if he wants to, but he's just staying away from it. Hmm. Um. I sympathize with what they're trying to do. They're trying to def- defend the goodness of God, but you're missing his sovereignty. Yeah. Um, and if, that and that that evil is for the glory of God. Yeah. And that's that's a hard concept, but if everything exists according to the Lord's plan and purpose. Well, if we can back up for a minute, okay. The easiest and best response to the atheist is 
if God exists and if e- evil exists, that proves the existence of God, not okay. disproves. Because if there, if God does not exist and is good, there is no such thing as evil. I mean, just from the get-go, presuppositionally, evil does not exist. There aren't bad things. There's just things. Yeah. Um. You know, somebody getting their leg crushed in a car wreck, like I had, you know, my example, that's not a bad thing. It's just something that happens. The right. only way it becomes evil is if there is a God. Um, so that's just, it's a nonsensical argument from the get-go. But the second thing is, like you were just saying, um, that just assumes that there's a huge swath of creation because there's a lot of evil in this world. There's just a lot of things happening that God is just kind of a passive observer. He knows they're going on. He he permits them to in some form or fashion, but he's not really involved in those things. Yeah. Um, and like you said, you're robbing God of glory there. Yeah. Very so how does how could God get glory from an evil act, Sean? <laughs> Why, okay. Let me proffer an example, if I might. Okay. So um, you're not really asking me. I'm I'm never really asking you, Sean. <laughs> I'm just throwing these throwing these softballs up in how, the how, no. how could God get glory from evil? I think the best Christian answer is the cross. Yeah. It's 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 the best and the easiest example. We we don't understand everything in our life. Go read Habakkuk. Um, read Habakkuk where he, the prophet's crying out and saying, God, why is this evil stuff happening? Why are you sending, and it uses the word sending evil men yeah. to do evil things. Why are you doing this? Um, we don't always know why the car wreck happens and the leg gets injured. We don't always get a great answer. There's one clear answer in the scripture where an evil thing happens, and, and it's the cross, and that's where we do get this. Acts 2.23, um, Luke says, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Um, There's other places he talks about this. He talks about it in Acts chapter 1, uh, verses 16 through 18. But here in Acts 2.23, you get two things in that sentence. You get, number one, God not only knew what was happening, but planned it. God brought the cross about exactly to plan. And number two, you are evil men for doing an evil thing, and you will be held to, to justice for it. Mm. Um, look at the cross. Just look at that one sentence and look at the cross and you see nothing would have derailed God's plan to bring redemption through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Nobody was going to make a wrong choice or a right choice that led to the cross being delayed or or neglected. It would happen exactly when God planned and yeah. ordained it. And at the same time, the Romans who nailed him to that tree will be held accountable for the actions that they chose. Yeah. You get, it, you get it all right there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as a Christian, look no further than the cross of Christ. It was it was the worst act of evil, and yet God brought the greatest act of redemption through it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that's a perfect example because it's so clearly laid out in Scripture. Um, you made a you, you, you commented on something you said uh, that no no man could derail the plan of God and you know nothing nothing else could have changed what the Lord was intending to do um, that's something that uh, maybe you haven't recognized this but I remember it was about 10 years ago it was at the passion conference you know in Atlanta and Andy Stanley said something I don't really remember much of his sermon but he said, he, he was essentially saying, like, what if Esau hadn't sold his birthright? Then look at all of this stuff that would have been different. And he based his whole sermon on what if God's plan hadn't been God's plan and or if Esau, or if Jacob would have thrown a wrench in God's plan. It was it was bizarre. And that was me, you know, this is ten years ago, so obviously I've well, not obviously, but I've I've grown, you know, in, in right. my Christian maturity a little bit, and even then I was like, Ugh, this is, and so it was kind of 
without saying the word corridors or saying the phrase looking down the corridors of time or expressing the idea of middle knowledge or whatever he and, and I, you know I'm sure that this sermon is available somewhere and and you can go look it up and, and see what I'm talking about but without saying those things he kind of expressed you know a lack of faith in God's sovereignty that like if one little thing would have been changed then whoop it all would have been you know thrown out of whack yeah and you read the gospels just i mean take judas as your little test case you 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 read the gospels and you realize like time and time and time and time again god makes clear that like all this was prophesied this was prophesied in veiled form in the old testament but all these things have been written since the beginning of time this was going to come about and then you got judas running around, you know, take, you know, having his backdoor conversations with the religious leaders and taking his money and all these these things and eventually killing himself. Um what if Judas hadn't done that? That's a that's a question that would have been really good in the gospels. You don't even get a hint of that. What you do get is like nothing would have stopped this from happening. Yeah. God absolutely brought about. And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. God in Isaiah is telling them I made things come to pass in the past. I will do these things in the future. And again, this is the same book of Isaiah that was prophesying the coming of Christ. Right. Um, I'm going to do things that you will see me bring about, and by that you will know I'm God. Not just because I knew what was going to happen, but because I brought it about for my own glory. Like, I planned this. Yeah, God does the thing, not just knows about the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It just... what What a weird concept to... And the only the only reason I can think that people would would punt to something like that and say you know what would have happened is because they want desperately to separate God from any occurrence of evil because God is not evil and He does not commit evil acts. Yeah. So they want to defend God's honor in some way. Yeah. yeah. Um. But they do it at the sacrifice of His sovereignty, and that's just it's dangerous. And it's also that's not comforting for a Christian to think. So if something good happens to me. It's like God is feeding me out of his hand. But if something bad happens to me, it's just God was standing over there and knew it was going to happen and let it. But yeah, it's that's a, it's not comforting to me. Odd inconsistencies. Well, I said, you know, I kind of made a claim at the beginning that uh, this is important for, you know, the entirety of your Christian life. How can understanding God's sovereign hand and sovereign plan in your life be important for your Christian life or, 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 or impact the whole of your Christian life? So, I mean, you kind of said, you know, like when bad stuff happens, understanding that it's not outside of God's purview, like it's, or, or, or not purview, but it's not outside of God's control, mm. um, or, you know, that this isn't outside of his plan. He's not caught off guard by bad things happening. Maybe I'll give you a more specific question. How can this help you in your, like, apologetic? Like when some, when someone questions the Lord or and they challenge you on your faith. Well, I, I would say, and I want to kind of, in my answer, I want to be careful because you're talking. We're kind of starting to talk about theodicy, which is yeah. the defense of why God allows evil. That's a whole podcast episode, so I don't want to answer that question. Episodes. Yeah, it's at least one full one. It's a good topic, but I'm going to answer this specifically within mind: the fact that God plans the future and doesn't just know what's going to happen or choose an option. Um, how that affects your life as a Christian is the fact that your story, what what's happening. I can think of one thing that I have been struggling to shake from my mind for the last two days. It's something upcoming that I'm apprehensive about. It's just not something fun in my life. Knowing the fact that God not only knows it's going to happen and is allowing it, which gives me very little comfort, but the fact that God has written that into my story 
perfectly in a way that will bring him glory and ultimately be for my good as one of his children, um, that gives me extraordinary comfort. The fact that mm-hmm. God is not an odds maker who sat back in eternity past and knew something was going to hit me in my life, but wrote that into my story. Right. Because I trust him with that. I don't trust Satan with the darts he throws at Christians in, in Ephesians. I don't trust um, demonic things in this world or evil people. I do trust a good, gracious God who has a good and gracious plan. Right. So just in my mind, this should be something that Christians take comfort in. Um, I would encourage I would encourage every believer to not use the language and to run away from the language if they hear it used by others. Don't use the language of God allowed, God God was okay with that happening, but it wasn't from God. Um, reflect on the fact that in Scripture, God is intimately in control of all of his creation. Yeah. If we have problems with that, those are our problems, not his. But don't rob God's glory. Don't mm. take God's glory from him that he says, I'm like the cross, for example. The cross wasn't something that like God stepped back and, man, Satan did some things. and God knew it was going to happen, but he didn't really plan it. And, mm. But then he came in and made it a good thing. You're stealing part of God's glory, and we don't want to ever as Christians do that. Yeah, um, I, I think that's a really good encouragement because something that I worry about with this podcast is that um, it's the same thing I guess you'd worry about in preaching and in uh, doing Sunday school and Calvary group or what you know, small group or whatever, is that you will talk about biblical concepts. You'll talk about the Lord, and everyone just sits there and nods their heads and they say, mm, "Yeah, Amen." Uh, but then, you know, you don't see life change from it. Um, that's really helpful to think that changing our language, changing the way that we think about the the things that happen in our lives, um, as opposed to saying that God has allowed this to happen. No, God, this happened because God made it happen. So the bad things that happen, you know, as much as I hate to use tweezers and pull Scripture out of context, I don't think it's necessarily out of context in this context, but Romans 8.28, all things work together for the good of those who love God and for His glory. Mm-hmm. Um, that includes, you know, you, you keep using the car accident, you know, hurting your leg, whatever. It includes uh, getting a bonus at work. It includes having new babies and, you know, family passing away. Like, it includes 100% of everything all things work out for the good of those who love God and for His glory. Yeah. Um, and it, it doesn't work out like it just happens, but He makes it happen. He ordains it. He is in, like you said, intimate control of His creation. Right. So changing our language, you know, to say rather than saying God allowed to, God has done this thing, is really helpful. I think it's helpful. When uh, well. Yeah, thinking toward thinking toward books because we didn't do book recommendations last week, but um, heartbreak. <laughs> moving say, to books, we weren't thinking toward books, but now we're thinking. Well, toward I'm, books. I'm thinking toward like what would help because we mentioned I would not recommend William William Lane Craig. There's a lot as on, it refers to Molinism. He's just I would not recommend. Interestingly that. enough, there's a lot on Facebook. Like if you like follow like apologists and stuff like that, he had like a lot of apologetic stuff. And a lot of people use him, and it's it's weird. Yeah. So so yeah. I mean, because he says he's, see it a lot. he says plenty of stuff that that's that's good, and then when this stuff pops up, yeah. that's very odd. Um, the best the best my best book recommendations are going to be books that deal with biblical theology, and by biblical I mean the progressive unfolding of God in in redemptive history. 
biblical theology, not philosophy books. Yeah. Because um, when you get a philosophy book, half the time it's going to tend toward a man-centered view. Um, here, here's just two that I would recommend. The first one, if you're thinking of, well, how does this relate when it comes to evangelism? Read Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God by J.I. Packer. Um, it's a classic, and he is essentially looking at Scripture and saying, okay, how does this play out in evangelism? How does God being sovereign play out when we witness? And he walks through the Bible um, it's a fantastic book. Another one is by a guy named James Hamilton, and this is a huge, thick one. I think he has an abbreviated version, but he wrote a biblical theology called God's Glory in Salvation Through Judgment. James Hamilton, nice. he's a professor from Southern, but um, just another book that, that I've read recently where he wades through these same questions of if God is sovereign, in control of all things, then how are all these things happening? Yeah. You know, you read through, just read through the Bible alone and you see good and evil popping up everywhere and yet God's in control of it all. How is that working out and how is he accomplishing his plans right. through it? So think, just think biblically would be my encouragement. Yeah. Use the, use the phrases and words the Bible does. And yeah. And if they offend you, try to understand them. Don't change them. I honestly cannot get over it. That is like the simplest advice, but it is the goodest advice. It's the goodest doctrinist mm, goodest. advice. Um, the goodest the, doctrine. The goodest doctrinist advice. Think and use the, use the phrases that the Bible uses. Um, I love that. I love that because at the very beginning you said, you know, we kind of like, we will kind of step outside of Scripture. We, you know, we mentioned that devotional um, Jesus calling that it steps outside of Scripture and talks kind of in the place of Jesus because Jesus would have said these kinds of things. Right. But whatever, and we kind of do that. We might not, you know, Sarah Young it and do that, but we we do that with like the way that we think about the world. Well, well, Jesus would have thought this way because, or, or yeah, this is this is okay to do because of yada yada, but. Use the phrases "think like the Bible does." Yeah. When we say "think biblically," we don't just mean think about the Bible, but think like the Bible. And um, and if you read things yeah. in the Bible, which I do frequently, we've talked about some of these passages. I've read plenty of things in the Bible that, like, my thinking does not naturally go the way the Bible describes oh, yeah, it. Of course. I want my thinking to change. Yeah. Like I don't want to force the Bible to mean something different and come up with neo Molinism. I just I want to think biblically about those things. Yeah. So. Um, that's good. You know, the, Bible, the Bible refers to as being conformed into the image. So just keep being conformed like through it. the Word. Yeah, that's really good. It's really helpful. It's kind of blowing my mind, just that that simple concept. You just ran out of coffee. That's what's blowing your mind right now. Uh, yeah, well, I had one sugar-free Red Bull this morning, so I'm good. Mm. Um, all right. Well, so uh, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God, J.I. Packer. And what was the other one again? A long, big, long title? God's Hamilton. Glory and Salvation Through Judgment. God's Glory and Salvation Through Judgment. James Hamilton. James Hamilton. Yep. Uh, not the singing and dancing one that's popular on any, Broadway Any right questions now. on this, which I'm sure there's none because this is such a simple <laughs> topic. Um, any questions on this or on Star Trek? Sean can answer those. Uh, email us at gooddoctrinepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, touch base on our Facebook page. Um, don't ask, don't ask me for another hoodie cause you're going to have to wait till the fall. I think yeah, about we'll do in the fall. <laughs> uh, leave reviews and share. Um, we, we haven't really like begged for likes and shares or anything like that, but, um, with kind of the uptick in the last episode, the more people can hear this, the more people will hear the gospel. Um, you know, that's one of the things we didn't share the gospel necessarily explicitly today, but, um, these are important things we talk about. So if you can share these with your friends and family, um, that would be awesome. It'd Absolutely. be it'd be really great. So so share the podcast. You know, make a make a review on iTunes or wherever, and uh, it it would really help 
kind of get this uh, get this ministry to more people. Um, all right. Well, if that's it. All right. Well, we hope you will join us next time, and we do pray that your good doctrine will establish good living. Goodest doctrine. Goodest. <laughs>